I think it's fair to say that most of us have gotten discipleship all wrong. Or at least I did, so let me just speak for myself. Discipleship can be easily summarized in two concepts, discipline and submission. Disciples don't just have good habits, they follow their master wherever they go. It's both a lifestyle and a mindset. If you go to the definition of a disciple, it means a follower. And if you look at the Latin root of the word, it is discere. And forgive me if I didn't pronounce that right in Latin, but it basically means a learner. We have to be a learner to be a disciple. We have to be a follower to be a disciple. Now, you can be disciplined by yourself. You can be your own master. Even using biblical values, you can be your own master. But what does it truly look like when you surrender all to God? After all, if you go back to the definition of a disciple, it is a follower of a teacher, of a philosopher. You could be a follower of yourself. You can be a follower of yourself, as I mentioned earlier, with biblical values. But what does it look like when you totally surrender all? And you not only follow God, but you learn his ways. Well, that's what we're here to talk about today. So feel free to put on your scuba diving gear. I guess I'll just keep saying that because we're definitely about to dive deep. My name is Imani Akins, and this is another episode of the Deeper Waters podcast. Welcome back to the Deeper Waters Podcast. This is the first episode that has been recorded after the date, and not just after the date in the sense of one week after the date. This is actually being recorded pretty much the week of, if not a few days before the date, which is not the way I like to do things, if you've heard me talk about this in another episode. But we're here, and... This is actually a podcast title. All my podcasts recently have not been in the plan. I've had a lot of episodes planned, as I even mentioned, even when I was co-hosting with Elijah. We have well over 50 episodes planned, but yet I cannot seem to be able to record any of the original planned episodes because something else always comes up. And when I say something else, not an event, but some other idea comes up i know i actually planned on recording a couple different episodes that weren't even in the original plan that i planned but yet it seems like there must be even fresher words sometimes not saying that i won't ever get back to the plan but this podcast has been pretty rhema recently but i think the topic for today is both timely and important for the season of many of our lives So before I go too deep into what it means to be a disciple, I want to talk about desire. Now, if you know me, I love my definitions, so I'll just kind of read off some of the definitions of what it means to desire. Desire in the noun form is a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. 
This could be a sexual feeling, an appetite, a synonym for that noun of a desire is lust. It could be to want somebody sexually. It could be a strong wish or want for something. But the older definition goes even deeper. The archaic meaning means to express a wish to someone, a request or entreat. So there's different types and there's different levels of desire. All of them are deep wants, but there are desires as in a request, as in a wish, and as a lust. Now, with this understanding, we must learn what a disciple's desire should be. A disciple is its own individual. You have your own desires, but what does a true disciple's desire look like? Well, we can find the answer to that starting in Galatians chapter 5. And forgive me, you can kind of tell <laughs> when the episode has been recorded because when I'm very mellow, that probably means I'm recording that at around 1 or 2 a.m. But if I'm very lively, that probably means it was recorded in the day or at least before midnight. But going back to our scripture, starting in Galatians chapter 5 and starting with verse 1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are, of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord, that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased? I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not the liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed, ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the another, so that ye cannot do the things ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, 
uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderings, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like, and of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Listen up here, verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory provoking one another and envying one another. Now, before I even get into the point that I want to make, I think it's important to emphasize that it said the law can be fulfilled in one word, even this, that thou love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, I know in one podcast episode, there's an episode where I mentioned where the world always tells us to love, love, love. And that's not the answer if it's not God's love. There's different definitions for love, but a godly definition of love. First, loving God, it means to be obedience. And I'll say it every episode until... Your ears just are tired of hearing it. But then after that, it means to put others before you. Now, why is there such an emphasis on putting others before you? Why is there such an emphasis for loving thy neighbor as thyself? I think it goes back to the bigger picture of what it means to be a Christian. It says back at verse 24, that they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the lust, the affections and lusts, which means desires. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. We must crucify the flesh with its lusts and its affections this simply means your desires have to die in the first episode of the season i talked about vanity vanity it's really a form of pride doing what you want to do being full of yourself that is being full of your flesh being full of wanting what you want, being selfish. This is all vanity. It's vain glory. Yet it's so easy to get wrapped up in that. And this doesn't necessarily mean that we don't have confidence. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to make sure that we're not selfish. Because at the end of the day, when you truly submit to God, I'm not saying I am just a casual Christian who goes to church and helps with ministry, even a preacher. No, it goes much deeper than that. Much, much deeper than that. Your desires have to die. Crucified. 
is the word it used. Crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. Let us not be desirous of vainglory. I just recently got a fuller revelation of the different situations of my life. I wasn't getting the revelation even though I was speaking it. I was speaking it a lot, actually. But then one day, even though I was saying it so much, it really made sense. I was blind to what was right there. And I would like to read to you guys this journal entry from my prayer journal when I finally realized that the different things that were going on around me, it start, it finally made sense, even though, as I said, I've been saying it out loud. I caught myself saying it over and over again, talking about it over and over again, yet it was glazing right beyond my mind. And it is this. Well, it turns out I left my Bible at church. So I'm going to pause right here and I'm going to teleport you guys into the future so I can read verbatim what I wrote in the book. Hey, welcome to the future. It's the same day, but let's just not time travel again on this podcast. But anyways, back to my prayer book. So it's what I wrote down is the following. It does not matter what you want. You must crucify your flesh with all your desires. When your desire dies, his desire lives. When your will dies, his will births in your life. That is what life is about. Total surrender. When all your desires die, his desires become your desires. Now, (laughs) that's not the Bible. So if you thought that was like crazy or stupid, then you are free to think that you could write that off if you want. That's just my personal revelation from my prayer book. But I found that it's so true because as I've started to submit my desires about certain things, then I've started to notice that things I like start to change and things that I used to think were terrible. Here's an example. Anyone who knows me well knows that while I've worked in kids ministry, I don't particularly like to be around kids. But however, recently I visited my cousins and got to hang out with some little people, I guess you could say. But I don't know. Like It was weird. Something definitely changed for me and even as I've hung out around and helped out with different other things recently it's like I could finally instead of seeing things as an annoyance as the world would really want you to see it even the bible kind of tells you that you know happy is a man who has a quiver full now I'm not saying that any of these people are my kids or that I necessarily want kids tomorrow because I'm definitely not in the position for that but what I'm saying is is when you start to give up your will And you start to give up even your desires in any way, shape, or form. You'll start to notice that biblical desires and biblical principles start to become your desires. And I know even in the first episode of this series, I talked about how I started taking care of this house. And not necessarily the house per se, but the property. It's a pretty big property. There's a lot to take care of. But For the longest time, I hated doing it. It's a lot of grass to mow. It's a lot of, and that's just the mowing part. 
to tend to to pull weeds and stuff like that but recently i've been finding joy but if you really look at the bible that's what we were meant to do i mean obviously that's not really a way to provide for your home now but in the garden we were supposed to subdue the land and like i said as you start to take on those biblical principles take care of what you have not saying that you know i just was having my house all sorts of a mess but just to put in that extra effort the extra free time instead of using that free time to do things that are hyper entertaining just doing the simple things in life finally are becoming enjoyable and if not more enjoyable because it has purpose because God said it has purpose but that's what happens when we start to give up our vanity we start to feel purpose not just in our destiny but just purpose in the things God says has purpose that we were blind to that was always there but as i said this only happens when your vanity dies when your personal desires die when your desires die his desires become alive in your life and you'll find that maybe not in the exact moment when they start the birth it feels good but i mean birth comes with pain but when those desires start to become alive in your life you find that it's so much better than the desires you had yourself so Galatians 5, we just read, but Galatians 6 elaborates further on the application of these new principles and the application of new desires. I know a lot of the times I've read Galatians, I only really looked at it as the big premises. Most people, theologians, Bible scholars would look at it as, oh, this is the book that talks about the law and grace and if there's much more to this book than just that. I'm not saying that that's not what this book is about. Clearly it is. But there's a lot about desire that's in this book. So picking up in verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law. Of Christ. See, we fulfill the law through love. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things be not deceived god is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap he that soweth to his flesh shall reap of the flesh reap corruption and he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not as we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith. You see how large a letter I've written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom 
the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear my body in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So I want to go back to verse 16 here. It says, as many as walk according to this rule. What rule? Not to glory in your flesh, not to glory in your own works, not to have a desire to glory in the flesh. That's the problem. I know I actually just listened to a sermon about grace and how there's a lot of things that come. I mean, salvation alone, just the beginning of our whole Christian walk, that comes by grace through faith. Yes, there's a part that we have. It has nothing to do with our ability, but our submission and our acceptance of God's grace. But on the other hand of that, our desire should not be on ourselves and how our works work or how we can please our own self. It says in verse four, but let every man prove, let every man examine his own work and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. When we take care of our own self, when we take care of our own problems and we prove ourselves. how do we do that? That doesn't necessarily mean that we're glorying in ourselves, but you prove yourself by helping others. You prove yourself by submitting to God. That's what this is about. When you're sowing in the spirit, you will reap life, true life. You will reap meaning only if you faint not. You have to keep working in it, even if it looks like nothing is coming from there. So continuing to talk about godly desires of disciples' desire, Jesus teaches us about this in Matthew chapter 6. So starting with verse 1, it says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest the alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door to pray to thy father, which is in secret, and the father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be ye not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask. 
And after this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your Father, Heavenly Father, will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, be not as hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may be may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also where your treasure is there will your desire be also the light of the body is the eye if therefore thine eye be single thy whole body will be full of light but if thine eye be evil thy whole body shall be full of darkness if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness how great is that darkness no man could serve two masters for he will either hate the one and love the other or else he will hold the one hold to the one and despise the other ye cannot serve god and mammon or some people would say god and money Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, for what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature or to his height and why take ye thought for raiment consider the lilies how they grow lilies of the field how they grow they toil not neither do they spin and yet i say unto you that even solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these wherefore if god so clothed the grass of the field which is today today is and cast into the oven tomorrow shall he not much more clothe you o ye of little faith therefore take no thought saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what or wherewithal shall we be clothed for after all these things do the gentiles seek for your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things but seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you take therefore no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall ha take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof so take no thought for tomorrow because today is enough this chapter really highlights the difference between 
the desires of a child of God and a desire of somebody who's not the child of God. When the previous reading in Galatians, we talked about what it meant to have vain glory, your vain glory and your vain desires. That's all you get when you operate out of yourself. You can only produce what you can produce. And we know that you can only do so much as an individual. But if you don't do things out of your own work, but you work after what God told you to do, and you do things not to be seen, but to please the Father, then he will make sure that you are provided for. If you invest in secret, they that sow into the spirit shall reap of the spirit, and they that sow the flesh shall reap corruption. All these actions that he mentioned, fasting to be seen, praying to be seen, not saying that you shouldn't be seen praying, but you should not pray to be seen, giving alms, giving to people so you can be seen, all these things to be seen, that is a desire of men. But if you do things with a godly desire, you do things for him, it doesn't matter if not a single soul knows that you do all these things because your righteousness will come from him. God will add unto you all these things if you seek the kingdom first. This is what happens when your desire is based on him. If you're worrying about how you're going to provide for yourself, if you're worrying about where you're going to get food from, where you're going to get clothes from, how am I going to look? Do I look fashionable enough? Do I look cool enough? If you're worried about that kind of stuff, it doesn't necessarily promise that these things will be added unto you. But if you seek the kingdom of God first, I know I've been listening to a couple of Mark Morgan's recent messages, but he preached at Ohio camp and I've even heard some of his messages from this year and he's been making the emphasis. And I really love the way he categorized it because I had no way I couldn't really find the words to say this, but I completely agree with this concept that there's a difference between the kingdom and the church. The kingdom belongs to the king, which is God. The church is his bride. And so many times we can get caught up in doing things for the church. Our desire is found in the church and we're seeking first, not the kingdom of God. We're seeking first the church. Now, I'm not saying we should not help the church or invest in the church, but so many times we seek first the church and not first the kingdom of God. We get things twisted. And when we do that, we're not doing things to advance his kingdom, but we're doing things to make, do things that can be seen, do things to grow our ministry, which there's nothing wrong with that. But God's desire isn't always about the size of your ministry. It's not always about even the ministry itself. But it's about doing what he told you in the moment, being obedient to what he, his will may be for you to get off the field and go into a prayer room. It's following after his will. Let thy kingdom come and thy will be done. It's in the Lord's prayer itself. This is a predominant theme of the Bible. Surrendering your will is a necessity putting his will above yours. That means you have to totally crucify yours. Being a disciple, a completely submitted one, a complete follower and a complete learner of the will of God. The Bible encourages you to learn, to figure out what the will of God is.
It's a must. We must have that. And if we seek his kingdom first, like I said, we seek what he wants you to do in the moment. Then all these things will be added unto you. You will not have a worry. Now, that doesn't mean you will never be persecuted or anything like that. But everything that you have need of will be provided. That's what life is like living under the fear of the Lord. So continuing to talk about the desires of a disciple, I want to read to you Psalm 145. And if this is one of the first podcasts that you've listened to, I want to let you know why I read so much. Psalm 19, it tells you the law of the Lord is perfect converting the souls. And I have an episode coming out soon that will be talking about our relationship with God. And I want to even elaborate even further about why it is so important the way that we invest, because the relationship with God that he gave us, the different examples he gave were very vital in helping us understand how the different tools that he gave us work and how to properly apply them. But without going too far off the topic, let's start at verse one of Psalm 145. I will extol thee, my God. O King, I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of thy might and of thy terrible acts. I will declare thy greatness. Now, let me just clarify here. When the Bible talks about something being terrible, it's not terrible in the way that we think of it today. Really, it's almost like terrific and terrible could be changed around. Terrific would have been something horrifying. But terrible is like an awesome power. It's just something so great and terrible. <laughs> it is something that is awesome. So continuing on in verse seven, they shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee. The Lord and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfieth the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him. 
but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. So right here we see the psalmist knew exactly what we were talking about earlier. He talked so much about his kingdom, the kingdom of the Lord and how great it is and how everyone that praises him and those that wait upon the Lord and wait for his will, then they will receive in due season. I know Galatians, I believe six talks about if you sow in the spirit, you will reap in due season if you do not grow weary. See, as we start to surrender our desires, you may not see things come on your timing, but just like the desire isn't yours, the timing is not yours either. We have to be patient in our waiting. But if we wait, we will see that every true desire will be satisfied because our flesh has desires. Our flesh has lust, but our spirit also has desires. Our flesh wants to try to meet different desires that we have through ungodly means, through means that aren't natural, through means that aren't the way that God wants them to be met. But God will give us all our desires because all our desires come from him anyway. The God-given desires will come to pass and be fulfilled. You will receive that joy when you are doing the work and you have proved your work in the kingdom. It also talks about the fear of him. He will fulfill the desire of everyone of them that fear him. We must fear the Lord. And in an episode coming soon, we're going to talk about that. I'm hoping that I can get that episode out next week where I will go deeper into the fear of the Lord. But that is a must, a must have. We must fear the Lord to have these desires come to pass. That fear is not, oh, I'm scared. No, it's an awe of the Lord. You're so much in awe of the Lord and so have so much respect for the Lord that you serve him, that you love him, but you're just so amazed by him that his desires start to become your desires. Ephesians chapter six, verses five through nine, elaborate servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. So it's make, this is one of those relationship examples and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers with vain glory, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord whether he be bond or free and ye masters do the same thing unto them forbearing threatening knowing that the master also is in heaven neither is a respect of persons with him. So this was another example of what it's like to even fear somebody that's not God, fearing a master. Our desires will not, never be fulfilled until we have the fear of the Lord, because the Lord is the master of all, and he is going to reward each person. He's going to give everybody what they deserve. And he doesn't respect any persons. You're not, it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to get what you deserve. You're going, God is not mocked. You're going to reap what you've sown. 
But our desires will never be fulfilled until we have this fear of the Lord. We have this respect for him. And it will never be fulfilled until his will becomes our will. So if you feel like, and I know I felt like this at times, if it feels like you're always getting a beaten and you're always getting things and it just seems like things just never work out for you or never work out the way that you want things to go. If you feel like you want God, but nothing ever works out. I think this next pass next passage is for you. So Luke chapter 12 verses 32 and through 48, it says the following. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourself bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning. And ye yourself be like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return for, from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he cometh shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them, so blessed are those servants. Now the second and third watch are just different time periods. So this could be early, this could be late, but these servants are still ready. And verse 39, and know this, that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that? faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maid servants and eat and drink and to be drunken. The Lord of the servants will come in a day when he looketh not for him. And at that hour, when he is not aware, he will cut him in sunder and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant, which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and to commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. So at the beginning of this, we see that it says, so that she had right after it said it's good pleasure from the father to give you the kingdom. So that she had 
it's interesting that the first thing it says is to give up what you have. And then furthermore, to give what you have to others. This is part of his will. Part of when you receive first, you have to make room. You first have to be willing to give up and have an open hand to what he has for you. Furthermore, we have to continue to watch and be ready. This is why waiting is so emphasized. There's a season when a return is coming for what you gave up. Season is coming for the things that you have given up, the desires that you've given up. There's something coming for that, but you have to wait and be ready because it's so easy for you to faint. And if you faint, you will not reap what you sowed in the spirit. You will not reap all that you had planned because he will reward in due season if you faint not. That's what Galatians says. But also, I think it's important, as it talks about in the end, we have to be faithful stewards. And if we don't continue to uphold the responsibilities that he given us, even if it's not your desire to, we see that one servant was faithful. If a servant is faithful, he'll be blessed. But if a servant stops being faithful, when the master returns, when he's ready to give you the reward that you do, the whole premise of this passage is to give up what you have, take the responsibility he gave you, and then wait. The waiting is the hard part because after you give up this, it's like, can you immediately give me what I give me something that's worthwhile? And really, the responsibility is worthwhile. But it's very easy to get fed up and be like, well, this isn't really worth it. And then miss out on all that investment that you put in because you're not willing to wait. But you have to remember the will of the Lord is to give you the kingdom after you've given up what you've given up. First John 5 and 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we have to know his will. He hears. Listen to that word. If you don't have this confidence, you don't have his will in your life enough. We must give up our will. We must give up our desires and to put on his. This is a part of the Lord's prayer. Let thy kingdom come and thy will be done. When you say that, and if you mean that, that means certain things that are your will are going to have to be pushed aside. This is the desire of a disciple. The desire of the disciple is simply the fear of the Lord. Psalm 37 verses 3 through 4 say, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you thee the desire of thine heart. The passage we just read in Luke 12, verse 34, it says, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure is laid up in heaven, and your heart is in heaven, those desires are coming. Those dividends are coming. They're on their way. God is going to fulfill those desires if you can hold on and wait. David, as the psalm came from. David was a man after God's own heart. 
he made a couple mistakes, but he was a man after God's own heart. And when he held on and he continued, he was rewarded for much of his faithfulness. You must learn to love what God loves. And furthermore, fulfilling all of his desire, we must also hate what he hates. I know it's weird. God's love also includes hate. What hate? Proverbs eleven twenty three says, The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Romans 12 and 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Love be without dissimulation. You cannot have evil with your love. You must have a holy love. As I mentioned in another podcast, love without holiness is not God's love, and holiness without love is not God's holiness. This is a quote from a preacher, but it's so true. To embody God's desire above all else, as Corinthians 13 would say, we have to have love, but his love must be without dissimulation. If there's something we desire, in our flesh, there's something that we desire in our being that is not in the will of God, we must learn to hate that. We must learn to give that up for the sake of God, and he will reward you for that. This is it. If you're not willing to totally surrender, then the fear of God will not be in full operation in your life. But we need the fear of God for him to operate in our life. When you read the book of Acts, you will see that it is through the fear of God and with the fear of God that almost every mighty work was done. Now, it is also by the grace of God, but we must understand that the fear of the Lord is the disciples' desire. Love is the disciples' desire, and not just any kind of love, not a worldly kind of love, but love without dissimulation, love that is fully submitted to God. We must learn God's love. We must learn the fear of the Lord. We must learn and fully follow after God in all of our ways. The next episode that is coming out, I'm going to elaborate a bit deeper on the fear of the Lord. It's something that I think has a little bit of confusion around it when you first read it, like, oh, does that mean I just respect him because I'm scared of his outcome? And I mean, in a way, sure. I mean, it, even one of the examples we read today, it talked about a master and the servants and making an example of that. But it's much, much deeper than that. Having the awe of the Lord, having that full respect and that deep, deep connection with God is essential. So we're going to elaborate further on the fear of God in the following episodes because it is essential to operating like the apostles did in Acts. But for now, let this sink in. It's simple, but it's not easy. The disciple's desire is not the disciple's original desire. The disciple's desire is not the disciple of the old man. You must put off the old man and you must crucify that desire. But a disciple's desire is a new desire, the desire of the new man. The disciple's desire is God's disciple. The disciple's desire is not his own desire. It's God's desire. So if you see things in your life as you're serving God and it's like, oh wow, 
nothing is going my way. As I've even felt at times, you know, as I've served God and nothing seemed to go my way, but it's because I wasn't looking through a godly perspective. It was, I wasn't looking through godly principles. But as I learned to surrender all, including my desires, I may have been acting completely right, but if my desires aren't submitted to it, then I'm not going to reap that. When you have your desires fully submitted and you have that patience, you're going to see the dividends. You're going to see the results if you continue to wait for it. Now, I know I had a lot of scripture for today, but as I said, it's essential for converting the soul. We need to get his word in our heart and have our mind set on things above. Have our mind set on not just the church. Now, I do think we need to invest as much as we can into the church. I'm not against the church at all. We must not forsake gathering together. We must not forsake this element. It is completely necessary. But we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of our needs will be added. That includes the needs of our heart. That includes the needs of our soul, not just the physical needs. I didn't say all the wants, I said the needs. So this is probably going to be surprisingly one of the first episodes that are in this season that are under an hour. But before we close out, as always, I'm going to close out with a word of prayer. So let us pray. Dear God, thank you for this day that you provided for us. And thank you for all those that you've sent to listen to this podcast. Pray that you will continue to convert our souls, convert our hearts, soften our hearts, break up any fallow ground within us so that we can be receptive to the seeds that you want to put in us. Uproot anything that is not of you. Uproot anything that is not in your love. And teach us to love with a godly love. Love the things, not just love you, but love the things that you said to love. Love how you said to love. Love others. To put others first and to be fully selfless showing the love of Christ. Through your crucifix, fix us, Lord. Fix our hearts, fix our minds, fix us. Help us to learn to mortify our own desires so that your desires can be birthed within us. O our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I pray that thy kingdom come and thy will be done in earth, in our lives, in our churches, in our ministries, in every aspect of our life, in earth as it is in heaven and give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us time is the kingdom the power of the Lord forever continue to give us knowledge of what is holy and continue to help us to progress in your kingdom give us that revelation in our life help us to walk in the destiny the destination where you want us Help us to stay there and to be patient in the waiting so that we can receive all that you have prepared for us. I thank you, Lord, and I praise your mighty and wonderful name. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you guys all for tuning in to this episode. It's been a wild day. I hope that you guys like the audio. I just got one of the new mics. Well, really, this mic I got like two weeks ago. But I went to a conference and I also went on vacation. So I hadn't really gotten to 
a chance to record, but I finally got a chance to use this new mic. I've been wanting to buy this mic for a very long time, so I really hope that you guys think this audio sounds better. But anyways, if you guys have any questions, if you have anything specific that you would want me to talk about, feel free to hit up one of the pages. And I pray that you guys just all have a blessed rest of your day. And I hope that you guys will return to this podcast or the next episode as we dive into the fear of the world. So share this podcast with any friends and we'll have you next week.